sponsorship studios this is buddy walk with jesus where real life and the kingdom of god connect now your hosts joe and Edgar. father god i thank you for the opportunity to come before you father to be in your presence to know you father as a finite being, we can know you, we can have the mind of Christ, your word says. Father, that you are the source of all wisdom and understanding, that nothing happens apart from you knowing. Father, even the sparrows whom you take care of and you feed, if they were to fall to the ground, you would know it before it happened. Father, I thank you that you're outside of time, that you are the true God that everything else is encompassed by you. There is nothing that is greater than you. There is no source and you do not share. Father, I thank you for who you are. You do not share your glory with another God. You are the one and true God. Thank you for who you are. 
for the love you have for each and individual every individual person walking the planet today father you have loved people through eternity from the beginning till now and for the future days coming all those people you know you are mighty indeed and worthy to be praised in jesus name amen what's up guys welcome back to buddy walk with jesus as always um at the start we want you guys to know two things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply uh, a couple of quick reminders as usual um either down in the episode description of whatever uh podcast player you're finding us in or at buddywalkwithjesus.com you can find our discord server like um, it's a way to uh, come together with the community. Um, a lot of really solid conversations, a lot of really solid fellowship happens over there. Um, and so we'd like to see more of the community join. It's a pretty quick and painless process. Um, so to set the table this week, um, for this week's conversation, we need to rewind the clock back to our last lightning round episode where we briefly covered on the topic of progressive Christianity in the new age and um, very briefly went over kind of a kind of a bare bones uh, basics on what these uh, topics are and all of that this week I want to bring that topic forward for a full-on deep dive um, these are concepts that are gaining a, a lot of traction on social media, different places, and with all of the rampant falsehoods that are so freely spewed across countless mediums disguised as tips and tricks to uh, live your best life now. Uh, I mean, we've got best-selling books that remain popular in Christian circles because it's written from a loosely Christian perspective, utilizes scripture to its advantage, and speaks about God and faith, Christianity, and morality. Um, the problem is, is it also teaches things like you can find God within yourself, um, that it promotes moral relativism, and teaches that sexuality and gender are fluid topics and blames the Bible for creating a culture that oppresses women. YouTube videos and podcasts that redefine historical concepts in terms to fit a modern world and a very specific perspective. I want to approach this from the standpoint of empowering the body to stand in truth regardless of how tempting the compromise looks. So before we get started, I want to provide a couple of definitions, just in case there are those of you that aren't aware of what it is that we are talking about. Progressive Christianity is part of a larger movement called the Emerging Church. The heart of the movement is one that has moved from sin and redemption to social justice. And look, I have a heart for social injustice. Trust me. I do. But like we've talked about, it's an unfortunate symptom 
of a much bigger problem that is afoot. Um, at the heart of these movements is a desire to, to articulate a way of being Christian that is an alternative to the Christian faith portrayed in public circles in what is considered um, conventional Christianity. The leaders of progressive Christianity generally define itself based off of what they're against versus what it is that they're for. This is a quote that I am drawing from the organization. So, um, and I specify this because in no way, shape or form, what's about to come out of my mouth is endorsed by this podcast or anything. So, to start the quote, we aren't fundamentalists. We don't believe the Bible is the inerrant or infallible word of God. We don't agree that creationism should replace the science of evolution in public schools. We don't believe that God hates gays. We don't believe that people of other faiths are going to hell unless they convert to Christianity. We don't deny the right of women to choose what happens to their bodies. Ending quote, we don't believe that God hates gays either. So at least there's here's one for common ground. I'm going to jump in because, and I've done a very cursory look into this. I did not read in their eight points where they promote the killing of babies. I know they want to term it as a woman's choice, but that is a flag to anybody, especially when you see how they promote their eight points. And when I speak, I'm going to bring out how almost altruistic the tone is, almost an emotional good argument or a good conscious argument. It's, a, it's to draw on the emotions. Never will God condone the killing of a life especially for the sake of another life being able to benefit from its demise. So I'm trying to put that as gently as possible, but I want there to be a clear understanding that abortion, a, a religion that promotes abortion doesn't promote the God of the Bible. The exact way that you said it is the way that you outlined it, you can see how it stands in almost um direct uh opposite to everything that jesus was and stood for and is yes it's literally like the exact opposite their survivalism is not a part of the kingdom of god not in that kind of way they make a huge effort to say they include all people yeah. If not the unborn, how is it all? And it's honestly unfortunate how much of their theology is centered around this idea of unity, unity with each other, unity with God. You're all part of the same source. So that's a really good question to raise. Now, New Age in comparison to progressive Christianity, to quote my late Uncle John, same soup, different bowl. 
uh, while they aren't word for word, if you lay them next to each other, you're going to find way more uh, hits than misses. Uh, New Age concepts date back a long time. And now progressive Christianity is more or less the newest vehicle that they're using to spread their garbage. Also, New Age breaks down into two main groups. New Age and New Thought. And a big danger in New Thought is that it will manipulate scripture for justification of their statements. Whereas New Age tends to look more like a cult. New Thought includes stuff like the Law of Attraction. Or maybe for longtime Christians, you may have heard about positive confession where there's the great oneness with the universe that ranges from tapping into the universe to you are divine, one with the universe, all part of the same source, so to speak, depending on who you ask. The idea is that all of this has a sense of fluidity to it. They maintain this idea of an evolution of faith and belief. The idea that um, you are becoming a greater version of yourself. You are working harder. You are doing more. That wrapped up in a nice shell of feel-good statements and get-rich-tomorrow schemes. And in New Thought, you will hear about concepts like sin and atonement. They present a Jesus that wants to connect with you through your inner divinity, through your own strength, which clearly and completely conflicts with Jesus of the Bible. Now, this is the point where I came into contact with this mode of thinking. This is my backstory with this. It's by way of law of attraction. This was huge in entrepreneurial circles a few years back. Um, and let me tell you, like I said before, wording matters. Context matter. Verse context even matter. Knowing the fundamentals matters. Because if you don't have a firm foundation in the scriptures themselves and not somebody else's point of view on the scriptures, then suddenly it becomes a lot easier to get caught up in somebody else's feel-good sermon talking about how Jesus is only love and God wants everyone to be rich and prosperous. Especially when you have certain topics that you are very clearly wrapped up in a blend of um, idealistic Christian belief and ultimately, as of right now, theoretical physics. Basically, it's a they're utilizing uh, unproven scientific theory to justify pseudoscience that vibrational patterns uh, connect you with the universe and that you can will things and manifest things into existence. And they use theoretical concepts that, if we're true, um, are, are very, very tempting. So yeah, let me ask you a quick question for clarity. Is this like um, back in the 80s, crystals were big. I imagine they're still around. Um, they had frequencies and all that stuff. 
people would get them because of that. And then you're talking about a science, but it's science. And this is my high school explanation of scientific evidence. It's 100% repeatable. Right. So it would sound like this would maybe work, not work kind of thing, if at all. So these concepts, they're, they're th uh, again, theoretical only in nature. That's it. They, this is, this is part of a subsection of physics that speaks uh, to something outside of what is the confirmed laws of nature. Is this like quantum physics? Exactly. So even, even before this point, I was the kind of nerd that researched theoretical physics for fun. Uh, quantum theory fascinated me. And because honestly, uh, I believe that ultimately that was my um, desire for there to be something more than just myself. But that's a topic for a whole other conversation. Um, they worship a hippie Jesus who thinks that wrath is a bad word. Um, they illustrate wrath as this angry authoritarian. Uh, it's commonly pushed that hell is just a metaphor, which is why universalism is so common in these movements. And that's the idea that there isn't actually punishment. Um, and, and depending on who you ask, all creation, even fallen angels, will, will be saved. Yeah, I think this is what uh, Rob Bell promoted in his book, Love Wins, Universalism. Yeah. And that started off with a rational, a loving God couldn't do this. Right. And he followed that thread along, which is always a problem when we're trying to rationalize God instead of looking to what the Bible says about him, because he wrote it through inspiration. Therein lies, you've, you've already picked up on the trail of where this whole thing, the Achilles heel, that makes this whole thing fall to pieces. Now, the atonement becomes to them cosmic child abuse. That was unnecessary to have happened. Uh, it's the idea that God would require a blood sacrifice of his only son um, makes him out to them to be some kind of uh, divine child abuser in progressive circles. I have to I have to jump in on that because that is a really good thing. And we I think we briefly touched on this a couple episodes ago. When people judge God, how dare God? How right. dare he kill his son as a sacrifice for sin? Right. And so they don't stop to think that Jesus chose to walk the path as well. This is the Trinity in play. This is why people have a problem. They don't see the Trinity as a combined being and three personalities. And I understand why, because we're talking something that's not three-dimensional. We're talking about the God who encompasses everything. Right. So in our world, we try to make him a, a square box, uh, if you will, or a cube. Um, and he's far beyond that. Yes. So for him to give his blood to redeem men and women and children, you're missing the point if you think it's child abuse. It, I would say it's a group. I don't know if I do it justice, and I feel like I don't. 
but it would be a worse thing of God not to intercede for the sake of mankind. Right. So. Exactly. Um, and honestly, under all of these circumstances, then the the resurrection becomes nothing more than a helpful metaphor out of the life of nothing more than a good man. That's 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 how that is what the resurrection is is um, watered down to under these precepts. And yeah, not to sidetrack you, but that's one thing I noticed is that they minimize Jesus. They Absolutely. call him the teacher Jesus. To me, at best, that is when a a person who, out of respect, calls him teacher, but doesn't really know him, Lord and Savior. Um, Messiah, King and Priest, Alpha Omega, you have all these greater titles. And for someone who apparently is trying to build an intimate life based on Jesus's life, and, and they do a little bait and switch, and I hate to put it such an ugly way, but the more I hear about it, the more it's like, really, it's not even hidden what you're doing. Well, it doesn't see that's the thing. You're tapping into the very reason why it's not hidden. Because under this movement, Jesus isn't the important one. You are. You are the divine. You are part of one. You are part of the greater whole. And Jesus was just a guy that got sent to a to provide a great example of love and forgiveness. That's it. So, yeah, he is because you, as the individual, are put into his place. That's why he's so minimized in all of this. Jesus doesn't judge. He never gets mad. It's only love. That's it to these guys. And which which is so far beyond scripturally inaccurate and factually impossible. And so, um, in a nutshell, it's kind of a all paths lead to God. God tolerates all beliefs kind of situation. Uh, what would a loving God do with uh, sending people to hell? A lot of times you'll hear about Christ consciousness. Uh, this is a major point where you see how these two concepts, New Age and Progressive Christianity, are interconnected. Um, because both seek to separate the person of Jesus from the concept of Christ. It's kind of like a weird karma meets faux Christianity sort of approach to the whole thing. It's interesting how topics come back around. Originally, we were going to do a false prophet episode over December when we were doing end time stuff, uh, but very much in way of doing an Antichrist episode. But... There's an entirely different dimension to this entire subject because it's important to note that not only did Jesus warn us about all this, uh, it's not just the one false prophet that everybody tends to talk about and everybody tends to think about when you think about this kind of stuff, which should not surprise us considering lies deceit, manipulation, half-truths are the devil's go-to. And so false teachers uh, came before Jesus 
came during Jesus' time, and until Jesus comes again, they they will be a thing. So we shouldn't be surprised at all when we see this stuff. Um, we personally very, very seldom promote any writings or authors on this show outside of the Bible. Because one of the very core pieces of our mission statement is read scripture, read scripture, and oh, hey, you need to read scripture. And if you are if you aren't familiar with what truth is, then you will easily be deceived friends. And we live in a time where you don't have to go very far to hear from somebody else that isn't God or the Bible. So there are a few central scripture verses that they turn to for manipulation to justify their position. We're going to tackle these one by one, starting off in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap, the amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. Uh, Most people have heard this. A very common use of this is within tithing. You give to get. It's that kind of transactional relationship that is core with something like this. It's the idea that you want to get as much blessing as absolutely possible. And so everything that you give is going to get 10 x and sent right back to you. It's not giving to further the kingdom. It's giving so that way I get mine back in return. Uh, James 4.2, yet you don't have because you don't ask. Uh, The whole idea of whatever it is that you ask for, carte blanche, you just have to ask for it. You just have to um, ask the sky genie. You just have to rub the lamp. Uh, All of that being positioned around this idea that we serve a God that wants to see us be prosperous and you see people equate prosperity with health or wealth or the both of them uh that kind of thing and while our god only wants good for us he only wants to see good things happen for us that does not mean that it will translate into things of the world actually Quite the opposite can be found all throughout the Bible. Um, again, these things don't land. They These things do not hold up under the light of the death of Jesus, the death of the disciples, how their lives lived out. These things do not hold up. Uh, one that we have cited often on the show. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Continuing down this road of 
praying to a god that just wants to see us healthy and rich. And the unfortunate truth is it's a belief structure that is built on a house of cards, but is incredibly tempting from the outside. And these are just a few that in context are part of the whole and complete truth of God, but out of context are used to rob and manipulate for personal gain. And the dangerous part is that the people that are displaying it are very smooth talkers with sizable platforms in combination with an approach that dictates no objective, one right way to interpret the scripture. They maintain that the Bible is fluid and not absolute. So it's of utmost importance to guard yourself in truth and be aware that monsters are foot. And there are some of these beliefs that are invading the church more and more. This is not about naming names. Right now is not about naming names. This is about displaying, displaying that this is a problem because for now, there will always be more names to name, more people to add to the list. So instead of fighting fire with fire, you're fighting fire with water. Now, we see more and more of aspects of these movements invade the church by way of different groups co-opting them. Name it and claim it, speak it into existence. You just have to believe it to be so, which is literally debunked right in the Bible. Might I add just a quick little side note? The first chink in the armor, when you look at all of this from a biblically analytical point of view, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Hello? How much more personal does it get that to want all the money so that way you can buy all of the things? Come on. Prayers get answered all the time. I believe that prayer is open dialogue with the Father. Prayers get answered. God enjoys answering our prayers. Fantastic. But he's not a genie. And so the idea of oneness is central to this way of thinking. You live in the moment. You're all one kind of thing. And that's used as an avenue to say, accept everything in unity. The truth is, there are a lot of Christians sacrificing their good theology on the altar of unity. There is more emphasis being put on becoming culturally comfortable than it is for standing in truth in the scripture. There is, and we, we talked about unity in our Advocate Christ, or Advocate Christ, uh, episode. Unity is very important to the heart of God. What I see in the points from the progressive Christianity is not the same. Uh, in their in their bullet point one says, believe that following the path of the teacher, Jesus, can lead to healing and wholeness 
a mystical connection to, and it's quote unquote God, as well as an awareness and an experience, not only the sacred, but the oneness and unity of all life. That's a big statement. And there's almost within each clause, there's errors. Uh, the one, the first and foremost is putting God in quotes. Uh, but aside from that, when we talk about the oneness and the unity of all life, we have to be careful with what we become one. God says that. You do not want to become one with someone who is against God. And by this, I mean someone who is vehemently satanic. Uh, would you want to be one with someone who is vehemently an abuser of women? So you have to be careful when you make these statements. In bullet three, or point eight, uh, three, excuse me, they say, seek and create community that is inclusive of all people, including, but not limited to, I'm going to skip a couple because the key ones are the ones that I want to focus on those of all sexual orientations and all gender identities. Right now, there's a push to push, excuse me, a push to make pedophilia a sexual orientation in the public mind. It is not a sexual orientation, and we discussed this in the episode of How God Sees Children. Pedophilia says, I only want people this one age bracket. That's not love, that's not an orientation that is you're throwing away the person so this this incognito kind of thing that's trying to go on mind you i i'm going to tell you right now pedophilia period out i don't care um it may be unloving but it, i'm not going to be oneness with that and now what we have with all and it says all gender identities god if you're going through the bible and what jesus taught it was always male and female okay the Bible talks about that, male and female. Those are the only two genders. Right now, we have feminine um, lesbians who are upset that trans men who become women are trying to get into their groups. They're saying, no, we're not having it. You're physio physiologically a man. So gender is something, All this all-gender title is actually very excludes people and it excludes women mostly because if you feel that you can't go to a bathroom because a, a man's there who's identifying as a woman you're the problem girls sports are in danger of natural born girls losing to boys who say they identify as women they don't even have to change their sex they just have to say they identify as women and and or girls and then they can compete and they're physical structure allows them to blow out the competition and set records in women's sports. It has effectively put women's sports in jeopardy. Then they go on to say all, that included in all people are all creatures and plant life. There's two things with this. The Bible doesn't ever call a creature or a plant life a person. The Bible made it clear that Adam and Eve were to subdue the earth. They were supposed to take dominion over it, but they were supposed to do it the way God would do it and cultivate the world. Here we have, we're putting creatures and plant life at a level that God had not intended. 
That does not mean you can abuse animals. That does not mean you can set forests on fire. But plant life and creature life, people tend to elevate above baby life. So we again have the issue of the unborn don't count. So when we look at unity, we have to understand what are we uniting as, under what umbrella? God has a specific thing with unity, is that we would love each other the way Jesus said that I love you and you love me in John 17. That does not mean you go ahead and you open the pathways to what's basically um, situations or circumstances that cannot come under God's blessing. Uh, some of which we have discussed. So pedophilia, you know, these things cannot be blessed by God. They just can't. Um, and unity is something that God is, says will come after his kingdom comes because all the nations will come to the Lord then at the judgment of the nations. So that's going to be a given, not under man's rule, though. Man is corrupt, and he will always look to minimize those who don't go along with his way of thinking. Now, I understand that a lot of people may say, well, you seem to be, uh, you know, hypocritical at the moment, for lack of a better word. What, what I'm trying to say is I'm being very clear. This is a trap. This is a trap to say, people, we're going to be the good group. But what we're going to do in order for us to be the good group, we have to take God out. We have to take out his holiness. Okay, unity in God's eyes is tied to his holiness. Now, people always want to put it love. Love and holiness is an attribute of God. Love, God is love, but God is also holy. And he says, be holy as I am holy. So there is, he's calling us up to him, not, not calling himself down to us, which is what this progressive Christianity is doing. It does minimize God. And I think Joe said it earlier, is where this is talking about we become the important in this story, not God. On the first page, it says affirmation in big, bold letters, colon, the life of Jesus helps me understand I am one with all. That's not a biblical thought. That is not a biblical um, goal. That is something that would lead you astray and if nothing else, it will distract you and all the ones that you love will suffer for it. Do not let this become an idol to you. I'm going to use a couple of super churchy words here real quick for a quick explanation and comparison for what we're talking about here. Comparing syncretism versus contextualization. Reader's Digest version of syncretism is the idea of taking two ideas that are inherently separate and bringing them together for a greater purpose. So, example, think of a Christian adopting another religion for the sake of winning that person of that religion. The problem here is that you never f entered into this compromise with actual Christianity to start off with. And you left with this weird hybrid that says everyone's right. And like we mentioned before, everyone can't be right. It's impossible. That in comparison to what 
Paul and so many others have done, taking the truth and saying it in a way that makes sense to the person that you're speaking to. There's honest beauty in that because you are still speaking truth effectively in a way that the other person hears. You know, a lot of times we focus on what makes sense to our culture, but especially in biblical times, uh, that wasn't always possible. There wasn't this set way, and there were a lot of different people that had never heard the word of God. The problem with this, though, is that to them, truth is so subjective. When you, when your belief system is centered around evolving beliefs and experience over anything else, including documented truth and a basis of value system, it's no wonder. Now, one thing I do want to mention is a lot of this stuff is particularly tempting for people that have been exposed to some form of Christian moralism. The Bible is a giant rule book or watching a church turn people away for a specific reason, or do outright hateful things against, quote-unquote, lesser people or si- or sinners. So, and trust and believe, guys, like any cult, they realize that, and they prey upon that. One of the many issues is it's producing people that have now seen multiple ways for how to mess this whole thing up. They've seen hypermoralism and now a weird hybrid masquerading as social, socially conscious Christianity. A quick aside, if you find yourself in that um, category where you have maybe seen the depths of depravity that man can have in the name of God and this sounds a whole lot tempting and a whole lot less judgmental um, I, I caution you to stop, pray and seek out the authentic character of God in the scriptures now the other problem with putting such an emphasis on experience over documented truth is then you end up uh, with a group of people saying that they had this religious experience, which draws others to them with the idea of why would I possibly read my Bible? Why would I possibly try to try to go through all of the hard work of studying this stuff myself when I could just talk to this prophet, air quotes, over here? Or if you think you've got Jesus' personal number yourself by some greater uh, existential plane of existence through whatever meditation or affirmation ritual. And the truth is, guys, is this is exactly what any deceiver would want. The liar wants you separated from actual truth with your head full of lies and misconceptions because then you're not a threat. This is another person disconnected from God, disconnected from life. And so when you boil down these concepts 
past the surface layer, it's really easy to see just how quickly they devolve into human desires wrapped up in manipulative language by way of sometimes Bible verses taken out of context. And James 4, Philippians 4.13, the whole idea of justice, wrath, all of those are just a few examples of scripture or concepts within the scriptures that drive some very serious holes in this mode of thinking that if you bring up that you are just being negative you're just lost you're just not positive or loving enough they hang their hats on not telling anyone that they're wrong but everyone can't be right that's the problem and there's a major point where pluralism and universalism creeps in which honestly doesn't even make sense in light of the the disciples in jesus's own death look at their deaths this stuff falls apart in the light of what happened to them themselves that was a first major moment that I had when realizing the deceptions that I was buying into. Like I said, I thought I was in I was in God's will, but it's this sense of, you know, I, I want to believe that God wants the best for me and what my human desire says is best for me looks like this. And so I know that this episode is has been pretty heavy handed calling out this particular group of people. But the spiritual war that we are in every single day plays for keeps, friends. This stuff, this is a matter of life and death. And when you watch a sickness invade your tribe, then it's important to say something. Again, Jesus himself told us that this was going to happen. And the deception of this generation is far from the first. And like I said before, until Jesus returns, it will not be the last. But that, that is where the church steps in. Here and now. Tell the truth. Do the good work that has been given to you to do. Not by works, but in full faith for the kingdom, for God. Here's the truth. At some point, you may end up in a situation where you have to ask yourself, am I going to be faithful to scripture or am I going to conform to what is culturally comfortable? And the way to know which way is which is to guard and ground yourself in full and complete uncompromising truth intimacy with God, because when you are rooted there, that's your comparison point. It's something that we've said before. We say it again. You hear something, you read something, you watch something. It has to be compared against the Bible. And if it conflicts in any way, at any point, get rid of it. It's gone. Period. Done. Guys, the canon is closed. The Bible is complete holy and true. That means no prophet, no messenger is going to come along and add to it. Jesus himself said this. This extends to the churches that we participate in. I warn you, community, if you find yourself in a sermon and the things that are being said just don't jive, 
then you need to talk to God. You need to compare those words, the words of man to the words of God. And ultimately, if it's the way it has to be, you cannot be afraid to walk away from a group of people, be it a church, a small group, whatever, if they are actively leading people astray. Now, like I said, false teaching is not a new concept. It's been around before Jesus, uh, while Jesus was alive, past Jesus. If you trace back these different major movements that have a commonality to them, many people that go down this road thinking that they are finally hearing truth, unfortunately, because it tells you what you want to hear. And they're focused more on cultural comfortability than biblical truth. And remember, the truth will set us into direct opposition with the human self, with the world. The Bible's value system is in direct conflict with the world's value system. We did a whole episode discussing this, but more importantly, if you aren't aware of what that system looks like, then go to Matthew chapters five through seven as a starting point and jump over to Romans from there. That's a good place to start for something, uh, for that specific uh, topic. And like I said, I thought I was in God's will, trying to speak stuff into the universe. And thankfully, I had a solid group of people in my life that I bounced this stuff off of that were like, wait, no. That's why wise counsel is also important, surrounding yourself with godly people that are also grounded in truth. Wrapping up here, the world self-rule human nature um the the whisperings from from somebody or something that would rather see you culturally comfortable than than tell you what's up will always want to keep you there they will never want to see you leave so they will tell you the lies that need to be told in order to keep you there that's it truth will tell you what you need to hear and yes that means, like we've discussed over the last couple of weeks, um, that could potentially look like a painful pruning process, a molding process. But it's it's the only way to kingdom life. It's the only way to God. So you ask, what's true? Who can I believe? What can I believe? You can believe the Bible. You can believe God. So again, Guard, guard yourself. Guard yourself with with truth. Have an in-depth understanding of the character of God. Knowledge is not what I'm talking about. Memorizing the Bible cover to cover, that's not what I'm talking about. Communing with God, that's everything that I'm talking about. And when you're there, you're so tied in with truth that these lies are not going to stick. It's just that simple because you already know what truth is. And so, um, so friends, I present all of this to you guys, like I said at the start, to hopefully empower the community with knowledge that this exists and a reminder to ground and guard yourself in absolute truth. Uh, take faith in the unchanging 
truth of God. And be aware that wording matters. The difference between a lie and a truth oftentimes is context, a single word, that kind of thing. And so lies and deceit, they are clever and they will remain to be clever. That's why all of this is so important. And this is far from the first falsehood that's cropped up in human history. But from my point of view, it's time for Christians to be offensive against this garbage. We can't just wait until someone we know is going to get sucked in. We need to take an offensive posture to shine a light on this stuff. Either way, as long as uh, Jesus hasn't returned, lies, deceit, corruption will always come. At least if we're being offensive about it, we aren't just sitting here waiting until it affects our personal world. With all the deconstruction stories coming out from these larger platforms trying to jump on the bandwagon, uh, centered in mostly misconceptions and half-truths about God, Jesus, and Christianity, used to catch some headlines about how so-and-so denounces God. With all manner of different media outlets sharing things that beyond don't line up with scriptural truth, it's hard to distinguish fact from fiction in today's world if you don't have a firm understanding and firm foundation of what fact is. And in order to wade our way through these waters with all of the different opinions and perspectives on the ready, we need intimacy. We need truth in our lives. We need to know and take rest in the very, the very character of God. I don't know about you guys, but one of the most valuable aspects of God to me is how he is constant he is unchanging and he is what i know i can put my full faith and assurance in in a world that offers you none of that in a world that doesn't want you to have any of that god wants you to have that firm foundation and place to hang your hat Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to become, to come before you. Father, your word shows who you are. It reveals you and Holy Spirit teaches us and gives us new revelation, Father. But that revelation never strays from who you've defined yourself as in the Bible. You do hold to your holiness because it's an intricate part of you. Father, allow us to treasure that aspect of you, to allow us to think on your holiness, which is a good and noble thing. And the Bible encourages us to think on good and noble things so that we can be lifted up and not ransomed by this world and our thoughts and held captive, but to be able to go to where you are at in intimacy and know you. Father, we thank you that you reveal yourself fully alive 
through your word, through prayer, through worship, through being silent before you. Father, I pray that we would be united in loving you the way you are united with Jesus. Father, may Jesus' prayer in John 17 be fulfilled before his return. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to Buddy Walk with Jesus. For more information, check us out at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Look for us on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. You can also find us on Discord at the Buddy Walk community for prayer and fellowship. And lastly, if you check out the episode description, we have a listener support link and we would love your support for this ministry. As always, know that you are prayed for and know that you are loved.